I'm currently in counseling for anxiety and seasonal effectiveness. Uh, I'm currently seeing a counselor. Mental health is a part of my story. I, uh, I started getting depressed when I was about 11 years old. Uh, it came as a product of going to, or going from public school to private school to homeschool and then back to public school right at the same time that everyone was going through puberty. <laughs> so there's a lot going on uh, in me and it ended up me with, uh, with me feeling some social rejection and getting sick back when I was in sixth grade and it just messed with me and messed with my head. And I struggled with that off and on until I was 21 years old. Uh, on May 9th, 2017, I went to bed with clinical depression. Uh, and then on May 10th, um, I was radically healed and I went to bed without clinical depression. Uh, so that was amazing. But I do still struggle with anxiety and I do still struggle uh, with feeling sluggish and feeling down when the seasons change. So that's a part of my story. Um, and it's funny, uh, I, I'm in counseling right now. I've been seeing the same guy off and on for like three years. And uh, I first started seeing him, I think, when I was like 20 years old. And then I saw him like one summer. Then I saw him the next summer. And then I think it had been a couple years. So, gosh, that was like last month. I was like sitting in the waiting room of the counseling center. And like my heart is like pounding. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how's this going to go? I feel nervous around like doctors as it is. And uh, this guy's about to like get in my head and get in my heart and all this stuff. But I trusted him because I knew him. I uh, had him for a couple years, and he was awesome. So uh, same guy opens the door. It's time to take me back into the office. And I walk up to him, like, ready to go. It's my guy. I know him. And he's like, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> so it turns out he had forgotten <laughs> that I was a patient of his a while back. And <laughs> he had to probably the worst nightmare for someone working in that field to just forget about somebody. But uh, I'm really thankful that my worth comes from my relationship with Jesus because I could just say, hey, I've actually seen you before. <laughs> uh, and he checked his notes and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We have like, <laughs> anyway, uh, I say that to say that uh, I'm a fellow struggler. This, this is part of my story. And uh, I may not have all of the answers, but I do have a story that this is a part of, uh, mental health and mood disorders especially. And uh, this is not going to be the, the be-all, end-all sermon uh, on mental health. And this isn't going to be the last time that Living Water Young Adults uh, talks about something like this. Uh, when I was praying and preparing for this message, uh, the Lord really put it on my heart that this is, this is not just me teaching a bunch of things and then we're done. It's actually the start of a conversation. Um, and that the Lord wants to move this uh, particular community uh, to where discussions like this uh, are normal. So things that are awkward, um, scary, things that are hard to talk about. Uh, God wants living water young adults to be a kind of place where people can talk about that kind of stuff. I also want to give some scriptural principles and invite some healing, because uh, I believe that this is truly a matter of life and death for people, um, and it certainly was for me. Uh, I am no stranger to things like suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation, and that's a part of my story as well and something that I've struggled with, uh, especially in the first couple years of my adulthood, and so it is life and death, and uh, 
depending on, on where you get your numbers, uh, the, the most reliable study that I could find uh, was back in 2005, and it said 10% of adults struggle with some kind of mental health issue. So 10% of American adults having that struggle. But I'm suspicious that uh, in 2019, and amongst young adults like you and me, the numbers are actually much higher. Uh, I would argue as much as 40 to 50% struggle with something like this, um, either seasonally or have like had this kind of issue before. So if it isn't you tonight, it could be the person uh, on your right or on your left that's walking through this. And I would bet that there's someone in your life who has this kind of struggle. And uh, since I'm starting a conversation, I want you to know that um, I don't have all the answers. And if I, if I say something tonight that you disagree with or that ruffles your feathers a little bit, uh, then good. <laughs> because one of us is wrong. And I would rather um, find the truth than like, argue about my opinion. And so if I say something that like, bugs you, like, I want to know. We can find out what the truth is together. Uh, and, and I want to be corrected in love. I want to have those conversations. It's not just a one-way thing. Uh, and if I, if I say something that makes you feel bad about yourself, like if this is a struggle for you, anxiety, depression, OCD, bipolar, PTSD, um, all kinds of stuff, then I need your forgiveness if I say something that makes you feel bad or feel excluded. Because I know this is a delicate topic because I'm, I'm someone who sat in seats and had messages like this and heard things that have been like, that was not what that person needed to say to me <laughs> in that moment. Uh, but I also realize that everyone here has a different perspective and background and past pain that I might be overlooking when I say something. And please forgive me if I say something toward that end. Uh, I want to come to you as a fellow struggler who loves you and wants God's best for you, period. And I never want to say something uh, that makes you feel terrible about yourself. I might say something that makes you feel convicted and, and want to change something or want to think differently but I don't want to make you feel condemned. Uh, and something that God really spoke to me as I was preparing for this too was I'm not like some trophy in a case, like look at me, uh, I have it all together, I've got it all figured out. I'm more like a, a case study of what God's grace looks like in someone's life. And so I want to open up about my experiences so that people who have the same or a similar struggle or, or know someone uh, can learn something. We can all be discipled by Jesus uh, together. So I struggle with uh, seasonal effectiveness disorder, and I struggle with generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, even this week, I was struggling with seasonal effectiveness, or, or SAD, as it is the acronym, which is like the worst acronym ever. But uh, daylight savings was last Sunday. Uh, so Saturday night, it turned two, and then it was instantly one again. And that was awesome, because I work at a church, and I could sleep an extra hour. It was amazing. And then I didn't go to bed until way too late anyway. But the sun started going down an hour earlier after that, too. So it was a double-edged sword. And I, on Monday morning and Tuesday morning especially, like, I was struggling to get out of bed. And I would go to, I would get up just at the nick of time and get to work and find that I wasn't, like, emotionally engaging with the people or experiences that I was having until, like, the afternoon. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now. Uh, and I'm, like, I'm talking to my counselor. I'm talking to pastors of mine talking to my wife, but that's where I'm at. And the same thing with, uh, with anxiety. Uh, recently, didn't happen last Sunday, thank God, but the two Sundays before that, I had like these mild like panic attack like symptoms. 
So I'd get home from church, home from work, and um, settle in. Didn't have to do homework on a Sunday for a couple weeks in a row. Uh, praise the Lord. But I noticed my like heart racing all of a sudden, and like getting hard to breathe and hard to focus. And I had to like get up and go to the other room and like like intentionally calm myself down. And I still am not quite sure why, but it is something that I'm working through and going to take to uh, my counselor and have already taken uh, to my pastor. So that's where I'm at. This is, this is where I'm coming from in this. So I don't want you to look at me like, this guy doesn't get it. Or look at, look at me like, oh, this guy just has all the answers. Everything he says is true. Um, I'd rather have us open up the word and teach you um, some spiritual principles that I found. Um, and, and hopefully put some practical tools in your hand even today uh, for how you interact with people who have these struggles or if you are someone who does struggle. So the uh, scripture that I'm in is Psalm 42. Uh, the Psalms, one author described them like the anatomy of the soul. Uh, there's so many emotions in the Psalms and so many raw experiences that people are having with God. And I found a lot of comfort and a lot of wisdom in them. Psalm 42 is written by someone who is most likely struggling with clinical depression. Uh, it says that it was attributed to the sons of Korah. Uh, the sons of Korah were a worship band uh, in the ancient times, and you may not realize it by by seeing it in the in the Bible. But the sons of Korah is actually a pretty edgy name <laughs> to name yourselves, because the sons of Korah got like swallowed into the earth by God's wrath um, back in Exodus. So you can think of these guys as like the, the punk emo band uh, of the Old Testament. Because their, their psalms are emotional. Flipping over my cardstock for you, Andrew. Uh, these psalms are emotional. They're known for extremely vivid emotional language and really high highs. Like how lovely is your dwelling place, God? There's a stream that makes glad the city of the hearts of God. But also really low lows, like this psalm. It says... As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God, I thank you that we get to gather together. I thank you that we get to talk about this. Uh, I thank you for a, a young adult's ministry and a young adult's pastor that don't shy away from these things. I think that we get to have a conversation and we get to invite you into it and we get to invite healing into it, God. And thank you for this family, God, how much it has helped me uh, in the past five years, how much it has been a home and how much I have I've found people 
who I could let in and struggle together with. And God, I pray that people would find those tonight and that people would find healing tonight. People would find uh, knowledge and tools that they can take with them tonight. But first and foremost, I pray they would find you, God, tonight. Through the scripture, through what I say, and through our worship, God, I pray that people would see you for who you are and believe the gospel tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in this scripture, I see three main arenas uh, of interaction. I see people interacting with people. I see the psalmist interacting with themselves. And I see the psalmist interacting with God. And so I want to talk about how we interact with people. Uh, how you, a non-struggler, may interact with a struggler. And how a struggler can interact with all the people in their lives who do love them and want the best for them. The verse says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So this person was going to church and they were enjoying it. They were loving it. They were with everybody and it was awesome. But now that's just a distant memory. Uh, they're experiencing this depression now and they have fond memories of going to church and it was awesome, but now they're in church and they don't feel it anymore. And uh, they, may, they may show on the outside like, yes, God, I feel it. I love you. I'm worshiping. I'm raising my hands. But what's going on inside their soul is actually a lot of turmoil. And uh, I believe it's important how we talk to people who are struggling, how we, as this, uh, as this throng, as this multitude, he's talking about the assembly uh, of believers coming to God together, how we interact with each other is important. And I think that a lot of times uh, there are two camps. We can either make mental health issues uh, all spiritual and totally leave out the physical, or we can make mental health issues only physical and leave out the, the spiritual God parts of that. And uh, it doesn't work like that because your soul actually affects the way that your body and mind work, and your body actually affects the way that your mind and, and your soul work, and so on and so forth. It's all an interrelated system, and when we keep one and exclude the other, we're often missing out on um, something that could be really important and missing out on relationship with each other. Uh, when you're talking to other people, everyone in this room, I would imagine, has someone in their life they know uh, who's struggling with anxiety, depression, some kind of mental health issue. If you don't, you know me now, <laughs> and I'm in that. And uh, we can be so tempted to turn this into a purely spiritual issue, especially as the church, because uh, I have a theory, and it's true for me, when someone is pouring out their heart to me and they're like getting really real, it can make me uncomfortable sometimes. And I can feel like this has to be fixed now because I have Jesus. I have the answer. I know that I have to bring Jesus to this person in this situation. It can be very tempting for me to turn it then into very simplistic, uh, biblical, maybe true, but too simple of an answer. Because there are real things that are happening in someone's brain and their biology that they can't always control. And I grew up in an environment that would make it too spiritual. Tell me if you've heard these uh, phrases before. Someone's struggling with uh, depression, and someone says, just choose joy. Yeah, you got it. Just choose joy. Just pick. It's the, the choice is before you. You're clearly capable of choosing one or the other, so choose joy. But it doesn't always work like that. It isn't always possible. I know for me, if it was always possible for me to 
feel the joy that Jesus has given me, then I would choose that every time. Or uh, there's this phrase. um, Someone's struggling with a lot of anxiety. So we say, just don't worry. Or you can Christianize it a little bit and be like, be anxious for nothing. Just be anxious for nothing. It's right there. Scripture has it solved. Your problem is over. But I can, I can pretty much guarantee you that anyone struggling with depression or anxiety has heard those a million times. And probably a, a believer in Jesus who's struggling with anxiety has Philippians 4, 6 memorized. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with thanksgiving, by supplication, make your request known to God. That's the most Googled Bible verse. I just learned recently. That's the most Googled Bible verse that there is. It's not for I know the plans I have for you anymore. It's be anxious for nothing. Someone probably knows that. And I I say that not to make light, but to say that those phrases are true. There is an element of truth in both of those. But it's possible to be right and not be helpful. It's possible to say something true, but not helpful. Uh, For example, I've been married five months. And if my wife came home after a long work day, and she just at the salon busting it, and I was like, wow, you look really tired right now. You look so tired. Wow. You just look exhausted. It's just showing all in your face. <laughs> She'd probably swing because that's... <laughs> oh, man. In that moment, I am, I'm saying something true, but not very helpful in that moment. And telling someone to choose joy uh, when they're struggling with suicidal thoughts, uh, telling someone to be anxious for nothing when they're having a panic attack might be true in that moment, but not always helpful. And the reason is that they deny true relationship. And so this is what you should be telling people in your life who struggle with either of those two things or a range. You should tell them you're not alone. You should tell them you're allowed to struggle. You should tell them you're allowed to have hard days. You are fully allowed to have bad days. Uh, You're allowed to show your symptoms to other people. It's okay not to hide them and push them down all the time. Uh, You're allowed to surround yourself with people who actually build you up and make you feel encouraged and loved. Uh, You are loved unconditionally. You do have people on your team. And I believe that for us as believers, we ought to address the physical uh, aspect of this. We can get stuck over here in the spiritual, which is good and true and right, and we need to hold on to it, but we have to allow the physical dimension of these issues in. Otherwise, we won't actually be helped anybody, and they won't actually be ready to hear the spiritual answer that you have. There's this funny story in uh, 1 Kings 17. It's about the prophet Elijah, and uh, well, it wasn't very funny for him, <laughs> but he uh, He had this plan to show Israel, show his nation, who God was. And actually, the plan worked perfectly. Uh, God showed up, and the other God that everyone else was worshiping didn't. And he thought, this is my moment. I'm the one, I'm the true prophet. God's going to show up. God's going to save this nation. And that's exactly the opposite of what happened. People said, okay, your God showed up, but we still want to stick to our old ways, and we want to kill you for even doing that. So he runs into the wilderness, like confused, uh, desperate, and he actually prays to God. You can look it up. God, please kill me. Like, I'm done. This is too hard. Uh, I want you to just take me right now. 
God did actually take him later, but <laughs> not in that moment. And the funny thing is, God could have said, Elijah, choose joy. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to choose joy in this moment, so just do it. I am everything you need. But what's extremely intriguing to me is that God actually took care of his physical needs first. He said, Elijah, get up. I've sent an angel to you to make some baked bread. Eat it. So he eats the bread. This gives him enough energy to make his way to a more secure place, out of the way place, and God has him take a nap. God has him go to sleep. And so what the Lord does in this moment is makes him a sandwich and gives him a nice nap. Right? But you'd think, like, God would just stick to the spiritual thing, right? But no. God actually takes care of his physical needs first. And the next story is how God speaks to Elijah in the still small voice, not the, the whirlwind, earthquake, fire, all that stuff. So God had something spiritual he wanted to give to Elijah, but he took care of his physical needs first. And then Elijah was actually ready to hear what God had to instill in him through that moment. And as believers, we have to do the same. I mean, God's doing it, right? We have to be aware of the physical, mental needs of the people around us. And though we have the truth, someone may not be ready for that if, if their mind is just at war with itself. You know, there's things that they can do physically that will put them in a position where they're ready to hear the spiritual things, ready for them to experience true life and true healing. But oftentimes people aren't ready for it because all they can see is their pain in that moment. Sometimes for me, the difference between a good day with seasonal effectiveness and a bad day with seasonal effectiveness is whether or not I got a good night's sleep the night before. Uh, it's whether or not I'm eating uh, full-on meals or not. And I wish the answer was like more spiritual. Like I'm a pastor. I work at a church, right? Oh, yeah, I was feeling seasonal effectiveness, so I prayed really hard, read my Bible really hard, now I'm good. But oftentimes it's like I went to Panda Express, I got the three entree plate with fried rice, orange chicken, Beijing beef, and teriyaki chicken with the teriyaki sauce on the side, and a Diet Coke. And that does the trick sometimes. If I stay there in the physical and, and don't actually like, let God into my situation, that's not going to help ultimately. But sometimes I need that. And that's okay. Jesus came both for spiritual salvation and physical salvation. Uh, he's made it clear in, in his word that he's not just coming to whisk us away into some other spiritual realm, but there's a real physical salvation and a physical heaven for us and physical bodies for us to be in when he comes back. He cares about that side. The second half is how to talk to people when we're struggling. Chances are people in this room are currently uh, struggling with mental health issues. And I honor you so much for coming here tonight, um, especially if you, if you knew what we were going to be talking about going into it. I, I respect your courage. How you talk to people when you're struggling, don't let my problems aren't that bad or it's not that big of a deal or I don't want them to feel sorry for me or I don't want to be a burden uh, keep you from talking to other people. The Lord has called you to let people in to your pain. You have a burden that you aren't actually able to carry on your own. And you are called now to let people in. Uh, let your family in. Uh, you're at Living Water Young Adults. There are so many people here that love God and love you. Let them in. 
the person on your right or left. If you feel like you have nobody, um, now you have at least one, and you have the leadership uh, of this community who are for you. They may not have the answers. They may not be able to fix your problem in just one conversation, um, but they do want to walk with you and do want to be your family. Um, so I, like, when I come to Living Water Young Adults, I'm not just here to sing really good songs. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> or, or hear like, really good sermons. Like, sorry, Chase. Uh, but I'm here to be part of a family. Like, the reason I, I started coming was not because of the, the cool things happening on the platform, but because of the people around me who loved me. I could tell the people here loved each other. I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. I want to be part of a Living Water Young Adults where we are a family that loves each other. I don't want to be part of a place that just gives all the right answers and then everyone walks away without talking to each other, without engaging in life together. And I want to be part of that, and I want you to be part of that. I had to admit to my parents, uh, I think about 10 years after I was struggling with depression, that this was an issue. And uh, I so wish I had let them in um, before that. It was awkward, too. <laughs> Telling them, like, they, they, they realized something was going on. They're like, hey, what's, you know, what's going on? I've uh, just been struggling with a little bit of you know, depression. Oh, how long has this been going on? Like 10 years. <laughs> but there was an integral part of my life that I wasn't letting them into. And they might have said like, things that didn't help in the moment, like choose joy or don't worry. They might have done that. But I denied the relationship with them. So for those who don't struggle, you may be denying relationship by keeping things simple and keeping things comfortable for you. But if you do struggle, you may be denying relationship and denying healing by refusing to allow other people to walk with you through it. That doesn't mean be flippant and like make it your like Facebook status or put it on your story, like really struggling. But it does mean find people who you know have your back and let them in. If you haven't done that before, I invite you to do that tonight. Please. Uh, speaking as someone who <laughs> struggled a long time with that vulnerability, man, the other side is, is really good. The second arena is how we talk to ourselves. In verse 11, the psalmist is saying, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Depression, anxiety, they're often closely tied together. Uh, there's a verse, Proverbs 12, 25, I believe, that says, the anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. And if you look at the, the original language, it's closely related to depression, this carrying this burden around. How we talk to ourselves matters because our mental soundtrack, our internal monologue, is so closely wrapped up with our body and with our souls. Your mood can be greatly affected by how you talk to yourself. If there is something going on in your heart that is weighing you down, you need to have the tools and be equipped to talk to yourself correctly through it. Yeah. Self-talk matters. The way that you engage with yourself in your mind, or even talking out loud, is important. Oftentimes we can be our own worst critic. Uh, I know this is true for me. Oftentimes we can beat up on ourselves, um, blame ourselves for our situation, uh, accuse ourselves of being a burden. Uh, when we have bad days, we, we can tell ourselves, this is reality, this is what it's like. When we have good days, we can tell ourselves, this is not reality, this is just an exceptional exception. And so my practical advice for you on how you talk to yourself, if you're a struggler, but honestly with anybody who has bad days and has real struggles, which is everybody, 
is to talk to yourself as if you were talking to a friend who was struggling. Talk to yourself as if you were talking to a friend who was struggling. If a friend came up to you and said, hey, real talk, I'm really struggling with anxiety and worry right now. You'd probably not be like, that sucks. It's probably your fault. It's probably never gonna go away. Life's really uncertain, and uh, you probably brought this upon yourself, so deal with it, right? Talk to them, rather talk to yourself, how you would talk to a friend, how you would say, hey, I love you, I'm here for you. It's okay to struggle, it's okay to have hard days. You are not alone. It's one practical tip for you. And it relates to this, uh, this wonderful resource that I found, um, with the struggle with anxiety and depression. Uh, it's a book, and we have a slide. Uh, it's called My Name is Hope by John Mark Comer. Slide. Hey, so you see there's a, there's a thing that says giveaway there, because uh, we do want to give one copy away entirely, and Pastor Chase will have more details for you uh, at the end of the night. Um, but this book introduced me to, you can leave that up for a second. This book le uh, led me to a very helpful topic. And I would recommend that if this is a struggle for you or a struggle even for somebody you know, um, pick it up and read it. It helped me a lot. But one thing he talked about in there, and this is swinging back to the spiritual side, our struggles uh, with depression, anxiety, mental health are not just diseases. Uh, if you go to counseling uh, or talk to the culture around you, they may tell you, you know, take care of yourself do the right thing, take medication, be in counseling, and once that is eradicated from your body, then you're good, you're whole, you have no more need for any help. And uh, it's true that these are diseases and they're terrible and they are life-threatening, but they are also, at the same time, symptoms. They're not just diseases, but they're also symptoms. They're outward, things going on in your mind and body that indicate a deeper issue happening in your soul. Remember, it's both and. It's not just spiritual. I'm not just saying, oh, the problem's all in your soul. And I'm not just saying the problem's all just in your body and mind either. But these struggles that we have often point us that something, something's going on deeper. That's why the psalmist says, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He's not saying, why are you downcast, oh, my body? Why are you downcast, oh, my mind? He understands that this outward issue is probably rooted in something, some, some dysfunction, something going on that God wants to get at. Yeah. So a person who's asking themselves, why are you downcast? They're, they're seeing their issue and they're taking a step outside of it and saying, what's really going on here? It's taking a step toward health, uh, toward maturity, toward finding out what's going on with them at a deeper level that God wants into. So counseling, medication, they can help fight symptoms of mental health issues. I would never preach against um, something like that uh, unless, unless I'm wrong, unless God's like, hey, when you preached that one time at Living Water Young Adults, uh, you actually weren't quite correct. That's okay. But I believe right now that counseling and medication, especially as a, a counseling patient myself, help you fight the physical symptoms of these issues. So forget the lie that, you know, 
you don't need it, or that if you, if you do these things, you're not strong enough, or if you do these things, you're just, you're just leaning too heavily on a crutch and you just need Jesus, because uh, that's garbage. You, you ought to pray and talk to your soul and ask yourself, what's going on inside of me? God, speak into this issue. And you ought to do everything you can to fight. It's not an either-or situation, and so many people get trapped in this place um, where they're stuck because they're treating it like either-or. So they fight it on the physical level only, and it goes away, but then it comes back. And it goes away, and then it comes back. Because there's something going on in their soul that they are not addressing. Someone fights it on the the spiritual level, they have an amazing uh, worship set at Living Water Young Adults. They hear an amazing word. They feel loved, accepted. This is awesome. And then they get alone, and boom, it's back. Because there's physical stuff going on that they're not addressing. This leads us to how we interact with God. Verse 9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? This is real stuff. He's not pulling punches with God. He's not, he's not you know, buttering it up or, or making it or fluffier than it is. He's saying, God, I'm struggling and I don't feel you right now. I don't think you're in this situation. What, what are you up to? And I, I believe to the bottom of my heart that God so delights when we ask that question, that God is just on the other side of that question. And sometimes he wants to get us to the place where we're asking that question in the first place. He wants us there because I believe that there is an invitation in this to go deeper in your relationship with him, uh, to be taught, to grow in some area, maybe to help someone else further on down the line who has the same struggle. Uh, there's things God wants to learn or there's, there's ways God wants to redeem and do in your situation. And there's things God wants you to learn through your friends' situations who are struggling he wants you to take these things to him, ultimately. Uh, and sometimes, uh, God will heal you in an instant. It happened in my life. Uh, I'm a firm believer that when we, when we go into response time, there could be people in this room who have been struggling with some kind of issue or other, and they're going to walk out healed and whole and never have to deal with that again. I'm for that, and I'm praying for that, and I have been, and I will I'll pray with you during response. If that's you and you, you believe, okay, it's time. I also believe that God loves to heal people slowly and over time. Because he does that in me too. He's doing that with anxiety in me. There's things he wants me to learn. There's things he wants me to grow in. There's things going on deep in my heart that I wasn't aware of before that he's bringing up through this issue. I have trust issues. <laughs> I have issues trusting the Lord. I have issues believing that God is actually a good father, that God can actually take care of me. And I would not have known that if I didn't have panic attacks, if I didn't have uh, these, these mental worry cycles happening in my mind. So pray and worship like God can heal you tonight, but also fight like he's going to heal you slowly over time. Make the decision. I'm going to do whatever it takes. If he heals me in an instant, good. God's glorified. If he heals me slowly over time and I walk out more mature, um, grown, praise the Lord. He's glorified in that. So in an odd way, I can be thankful for my long season of clinical depression. God helped show me deeper things and showed me all this stuff. But I'm also not here to say that your pain is actually good. I'm not here to 
overwrite any issue you have saying, well, God's going to teach you. God's going to make you more like Jesus through it. So it's all good. I don't want to do that either because that minimizes your issue and disregards your pain. And again, denies real relationship with you. That kind of thinking lacks true empathy. And I believe it doesn't actually line up with what is in the Bible. When Jesus walked on the earth, um, man, he identified with people's pain. People's pain and struggles would move him to tears. They would keep him up at night. We don't see God giving this canned answer to all the pain and struggle that you're, that you're facing. In fact, we don't have a full answer at all. Like the stuff where God redeems it and, and makes you stronger through it, makes you better through it, is, is definitely a partial answer. But it's not going to, it's not going to like, you know, fix everything with just, okay, I have the knowledge that God's going to make me stronger through this, so it's all good. You still have pain, which is real. You still have struggle, which is real. And I don't want to deny that. What is the full answer? I have no idea. It's the first thing I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. What's with all the pain, God? Like, life sucked sometimes. It was awful sometimes. Like, there were times I couldn't breathe because I was so anxious. Or there were times I wanted to drive my car off a bridge. What's the deal? Those are real questions, and I want this to be a place where we can ask those questions. But I do know what the answer to those questions is not. I don't know what it is fully, but I know what it's not. It's not that God doesn't care. It's not that God isn't in the business of doing something about it. It's, he, he entered, God himself entered into the deepest pain possible for you. Uh, can I get the band up? Pastor Chase said something recently. Uh, when he was talking about his own struggles and things he was going through, he said, it, t- it gives me a lot of comfort to know that in heaven, Jesus is not worried, right? Am I being true to it? Yeah. Jesus is not worried. Jesus is not depressed in heaven right now. He's invulnerable. And that's good to know in our moments when we're feeling that kind of anxiety, like God is not worried. That's amazing. But did you know that this invulnerable God actually put himself into a situation where he was vulnerable. He actually did put himself in a place where he could feel worry and sorrow in the form of Jesus coming to earth. It's, it's Christmas season, and I listen to Christmas music on the way here, so I am one of those people. Sometimes I'm feeling down, I'll listen to Christmas music in June or July just for that extra little boost. Oh man, I love it. But one of the hallmarks of Christmas, can get it, hallmark? <laughs> Pun not intended, but man, I love it. Praise the Lord. Oh, one of the main things about Christmas is God making himself human and dwelling with us. He took on a helpless human form uh, as Jesus, as a baby, and put him in a place where he could feel our pain and actively set about to do something about it and redeem it and make it right. And that's what he wants to do. Uh, he's, he, he said, my mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission is to save the world, right? That's what he came to do. That's what he has done. But he felt the deepest sorrow and the deepest worry. When people in his life were struggling, when his friend died, he wept. And not just like, you know, one, one single manly tear. But the the Bible verse is more like crying out in deep anguish and pain. 
And he put himself in a place where he could worry and feel the deepest anxiety when he was going to the cross. He said he was so anxious that he sweat blood in the garden. He did that for you. If there's anybody who knows just how much this human experience can suck, uh, it's Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That's what he's done for us. I can take any kind of sorrow that I'm feeling, any kind of worry and anxiety I'm feeling, and bring it to the Lord, and he could say, yeah, I get that. I know what that's like. Isn't that amazing? We have the the mediator, the person who stands between us and God and says, I, I get it. I feel you. He decided to take on the worst that the human experience had to offer and then face the deepest separation from God, the deepest pain to bring you close to him, to save you. That's who Jesus is. He rose again and he is alive and he's here tonight. And he wants to do that same kind of work in your heart today. So I have a few ways that we can go from here. Uh, for those of us in this room um, who aren't struggling with any kind of mental health issue, praise God. Don't feel bad. That's awesome. Enjoy that for the gift that it is. You probably have other struggles in your life. You don't need another one <laughs> piled onto it. But I hope that something I've said has challenged you or stirred something in you tonight. And I want God, I want you to give the opportunity to let God reshape how you think about the strugglers in your life and leave behind old mindsets that you had about these issues. And if God is saying, you need to, you need to change the way you think about that or you need to change the way you talk to this person, you need to change how you think of this person you know, then let him do that and say, God, forgive me. I, don't, I, wanna, I wanna change. I wanna turn away from that. And for people who aren't struggling, I want you to dedicate your lives to helping people who are. That's what, that's what I'm doing. I want people who have, who have walked through the same struggles as me to experience freedom and healing and joy. I want God to heal them the same way he healed me, whether it was just in one moment with depression or slowly over time with anxiety. I want God to do that. And I, I invite you as we respond to dedicate yourself for the same kind of thing for the people in your life. Second is those who are struggling and want healing. Man, tonight could be your night. Tonight could be the night that you, you walked in struggling and, and walked out whole and free of something. Do you believe that? There are people in here who believe that for you, myself included. And I want to see the same kind of healing that I saw back in 2017 in my life happen in yours. I, I really do. And so I want to invite you to pray for healing. And not just that. If you walk out of here and there's still some little part or big part of your issue still there, I also want you to make the dedication that you're gonna fight. You're gonna see God redeem this situation in your life. You're gonna do whatever it takes, regardless of what people may think or say, and you're going to let people in, and you're gonna, you're gonna take care of the physical stuff, and you're gonna talk to your soul and figure out what's going on spiritually. And you're gonna invite the Living Water Young Adult family to walk with you through that, because we want to. We, we want realness. We want authenticity as a generation, right? That could happen here. And part of it's on me and part of it's on you. But I've made the dedication that I want this place to be real and I'm going to do what it takes to get us there. God's glorified in, in the, the fast healing and the slow healing. And tonight I want you to ask for the fast one.
and then commit yourself to the slow one. So I'm gonna have us, uh, you can stay seated or you can stand up, up to you. But I want the, uh, the older, more experienced leaders to, to, to get up and, and, and go to the perimeter. People who've just adulted a little bit longer than we have. Uh, and they're gonna be open there. Um, go up to them and ask for prayer for healing or, or if, if God's doing something to you of how you think about these issues, they're there for you. They come, they come to Thursday nights and they give three, four hours of their time for nothing except you, right? They love you. They pray for you. They want you to see victory. They want you maybe to not experience the same kind of pain that they experienced during their young adult years. So they're there for you. And I'll be uh, in here as well to pray for anybody who needs prayer. But the band's gonna play a song and... Uh, Whatever God's doing in your heart, let him do that. And there are people around you, all around this room who can pray for you. Lord God, thank you that we got to talk about this tonight. And I pray that, man, I pray that right now would be the main event, God. That everything that's led up to this point would lead to breakthrough and healing in people's lives, God. That people would walk out of here never the same. Lord God, I pray that your spirit would fall in this room, God that you'd fill leaders with your spirit to say the right thing, to prophesy, but also, God, that you would heal. You would do what only you can do tonight, in this moment. We're waiting and we're expectant, God. In Jesus' name, amen.